Today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy shares a message on parenting. Just as God established the authority of the government, He established the authority of the home. Who gives the parent the right to discipline? This is a question that's being asked in our society. And the answer to it biblically is, God does. And welcome to Know the Truth, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Whether it's violence, sexual immorality, or crime, most of the problems we see in society can be traced back to broken homes. And today, Philip DeCourcy brings us to the book of Proverbs to give us some valuable parenting tips that will help keep Dennis from becoming a menace. It's a message from the series titled, That Makes Good Sense. Later, I'll tell you about some resources that will be helpful as we continue this series over the next several weeks. You can learn more at ktt.org. But now, here's Philip. A number of years ago, a member of the British royal family, Edward Duke of Windsor, visited America for the first time. Upon returning to London after a lengthy visit, an English reporter asked him to name the most amazing thing he saw in America. Without hesitation, Edward Duke of Windsor said, quote, "...the way the parents obey the children." That's the most amazing thing I saw in America. As I reflected on that story, I think that a statement uttered about a generation ago was probably more of a generalization than a fact then. But further reflection brings me to conclude that sadly today, it's more like the truth and nothing but the truth. If you've traveled on a plane recently and little Johnny has kicked you the whole way from Detroit to L.A., then you know what I'm talking about. If you stood in a checkout line in one of the local Kroger stores and had to dance because little Billy is pulling the canned goods off the counter onto the floor and his mom is pinning her hair out because she doesn't know what to do with him, then you know what I'm talking about. And sadly, um, increasingly, those who work with children and youth in church and find those young people to be unruly and unmannerly, being so rude as not to listen or set a peace, then they know what I'm talking about. For the sad fact is this, that children are out of control because children are in control. Children in greater numbers today in our culture are not listening. Their consciences seem to be asleep. They have no respect for their elders. They show no manners towards others. In fact, just a week or two ago, Jen and I and the girls were um, shopping. I saw a young man about 12 years of age coming in behind us, and so I decided to stop. My family had gone in before me, and I held the door open for him, and he walked through without even saying thank you. I felt like just kicking him in the pants. Why should he respect me? He doesn't respect his parents, and he doesn't respect them. Why should he respect anybody else? Felt like I ran a store or tripping them up behind some pile of clothes, but I constrained myself and basically prayed for the kid. Probably prayed more for myself. Children are out of control because children are in control. 
You see, if we want to be honest, disobedient, delinquent kids are the result of permissive pushover parents. That's the bottom line. Parents who have surrendered their will to the will of the child. Parents who have lost their nerve to exercise any kind of authority or physical discipline. Children are acting like devils today. Do you want to know why? Because a generation of parents in America have made the huge mistake of treating them like gods from the day they were born. In fact, I came across an article in my study. It was a 2004 cover piece of Newsweek magazine. It was entitled, The Power of No. And the story bemoaned the, fact, the, the effects of permissive parenting. They cited a survey that showed that children could expect to ask their parents nine times for something new, and then the parents would give in. Parents are spending more and more for non-essential items for their children. That kind of spending in 1997 amounted to $17.6 billion. In 2004, $53.8 billion. There's an old statement, spare the rod, spoil the child. In America today, we're spurring the rod and we're spoiling the child. That's just the bottom line. If you don't see it, you're blind. Or you don't go to the mall, you probably are not a school teacher. In fact, we can identify with the teacher who resigned from the uh, school with this letter and these words, quote, the teachers are afraid of the principals, the principals are afraid of the school board, the school board is afraid of the parents, the parents are afraid of the children, but the whole trouble is the children are afraid of nobody. A truer word never said. That's why I want to come to the book of Proverbs, because in an upside-down world, this side of the fall. We need to be careful and prayerful as Christians lest we get things back to front in an upside-down world. It may be true of the culture that parents obey the children, but, but God save us, it ought not to be true of the church. In the church, the children ought to obey the parents. The church, the culture, our children desperately need parents to step up and stand over their children, to exercise tough love, to set limits and keep them, despite the moaning and the groaning. In fact, don't let the moaning and the groaning go on. To take responsibility for their behavior, to train up the kids in the way that they should go, not the way they would go or could go. Proverbs 22, verse 6, we read it. Train up, dedicate your child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Over in Proverbs, uh, Ephesians sorry, 6, verse 4, we're told to bring up our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. It's time for parents to direct, develop, and discipline their children for the holiness of the church, for the good of society, for the well-being of the child, and for the glory of God. It's that time. Because if we don't do it soon, it's going to be too late. Remember, the family preceded the nation, the government, and the church. The strength of a nation, the health of a church, depends upon the sanctity and the spirituality of the home. That's why the book of Proverbs is so good. I know you're enjoying it because many of you have told me. And this book's going to help us in our homes Turn with me to Proverbs 24, verse 3 and 4. Listen to these words. 
Through wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. I'm not going to get instructed about my home and that which I ought to do from the television or from secular psychologists or sociologists. No, I'm going to build my home through the wisdom shared on the pages of God's Word, and especially here in the book of Proverbs. This is a book addressed to families. Remember in our introduction so many weeks ago, we saw that the motif, my son or my sons, is mentioned over 27 times in this book. This book probably was written by Solomon and a multiplicity of authors to the young emerging leaders in Israel and telling them how they ought to behave at home and abroad and it had a wider application. This is a book that gives insight on how to praise and raise your child for your good and for God's glory. And so, I'm going to slow down, take my time, and we'll look at this very important subject of how to keep Dennis from becoming a menace. And the book of Proverbs is going to help us greatly. Now, let me give you a warning. This message and its application is not for the faint-hearted. I'll guarantee you you're on a collision course with society. You may be even on a collision course with your parents or your relatives because this book will have you swimming upstream. When I talk about physical discipline, corporal punishment, the society will conclude that you and I are either archaic or barbaric. But remember, the wisdom of God is foolishness to the world. This issue will be um, an issue of authority and trust. Whose authority are you going to listen to? God's or man's? The Word of God or Ophrah, Dr. Phil, secular psychology. And it's ultimately an issue of trust. Are you going to trust God to go against the culture, not to float like a dead fish on the current? but to swim upstream and do what He's called you to do and trust Him that in the end it's good for your children and to His glory. Well, let's get going then. We're going to look at the basis of discipline. The book of Proverbs is very clear about the fact that both parents need to exercise, listen, their God-given responsibility to get involved in the correcting and the directing of their children. Go back to Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Proverbs chapter 1, 8 and 9, we'll see a reference to both parents. This is just one of many verses. I'm just giving you this one. Instructing both parents to get involved in the discipline and the development of the child. Mom and dad need to work together, aggressively and actively. My son, hear the instruction of your father, and do not forsake the law of your mother, for they will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent if they say, come with us. Let us lie and wait to shed blood. Let us lurk secretly from the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like shoal and the whole like those who go down to the pit. My son, do not walk in the way of them. Here's one example of many reinforced in the New Testament in a passage like Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 4, where parents need to work together aggressively and actively in the disciplining and in the correcting and in the shaping of their children. 
That is their God-given responsibility. It is their God-given duty. It is their privilege, and it is their burden. On the other side, children need to exercise their God-given duty to take responsibility for accepting that God-directed discipline from the parent. And they've got to accept it outwardly, and they've got to accept it inwardly. Proverbs 10 verse 1 is just one verse I'll refer to on, on this, addressed to children. The Proverbs of Solomon, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a grief to his mother. When a mom and dad set out to develop and discipline their child, that child has got to listen to mom and dad, not bring grief, but gladness through their acceptance of what their parents are doing in God's name. And I want to underscore that, what their parents are doing in God's name. Because who gives the parent the right to discipline? This is a question that's being asked in our society. And the answer to it biblically is, God does. The Word of God does. The Spirit of God does. God has placed the parents over the children and under their care. The state or government does not endow this responsibility to the parent, and likewise, it cannot remove the right of that responsibility from the parent, for it comes from God Himself. Therefore, no state should allow a child to divorce his parents. Therefore, no state has the right to ban forms of just, loving, and fair discipline within the home. Just as God established the authority of the government, He established the authority of the home. The home preceded government. By implication, the government is there for the home to provide liberty and life security of property and person, and to protect those inalienable rights that God has endowed to His creation. That's the role of the government. Nothing more, nothing less. And God has empowered the government to do that. But He has also empowered the home and put the mantle of responsibility upon the shoulders of mom and dad to discipline little Johnny and little Julie. And just as there is a proper separation of powers between church and state, there ought to be a proper separation of powers between home and state. A few years back, Hillary Rodden Clinton wrote a book entitled, It Takes a Village to Raise a Child. No, it doesn't. That's a sociological perspective on our homes. It is not the government's role or society's role. It is mom and dad's role grandma and grandpa's role. It is the family together that bear the responsibility to raise the child, not the village. A loving neighbor is a great asset to a family. And sometimes the government can lend aid to the development of the home. But fundamentally, the basis of discipline lies with mom and dad exercising their God-given responsibility to discipline their children, the children recognizing that that right has been given to their parents by God and they need to submit to their parents because they are submitting to God and submitting to their parents. That's where the authority lies. And as an extrapolation of this thought, I would remind you then that the parent is the primary caretaker, teacher, pastor, and disciplinarian to the children. 
The role of bringing up our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord is not to be outsourced to Christian schools, to youth ministries, to Boy Scout clubs. Those are great. We thank God for them. They aid and abet what the parent is doing, but they should never substitute, only supplement what the parent is doing. Because the parent is the primary teacher and disciplinarian. It is vastly important that we grasp that fact. No one, listen, no one should be more dedicated to raising your child than you. And I want to make an application. You can apply whatever way you want. That means there's something wrong with the picture that when your child is in the custody or the company of other people for a longer part of the day than they are in yours. If your child is receiving more biblical instruction for somebody at a school, from somebody in a youth department than you're giving at home, there's something wrong with that picture. I thank God for youth pastors and Christian school teachers and Boy Scout clubs. Those things are good, they're healthy, and the two Christian ones are holy. But if we're not careful, lazy Christians can drop their kids off. Instead of being general contractors, subcontracting, they become subcontractors, giving their children over to someone else. I thank God for what others can do, but they cannot do until I have done. Do you know that the Protestant reformers spoke and wrote much about the priesthood of all believers because they wanted to remind every Protestant mother and every Protestant father that they had a God-given responsibility to be priests in their homes, to raise their children, to pray over their children, to speak the Word of God to their children. And in the light of that, did you know that for the first 250 years of, the, of Protestantism, there was no Sunday schools as we know them today? The Reformation ended in 1530. The gospel swept across Europe. There was a domino effect that moved eventually into um, North America over succeeding centuries. But the first Sunday school was founded in 1780 in Gloucester, England, by a man by the name of Robert Rikes, who had a deep concern for children living in slums with delinquent parents who neither cared for their bodies or were concerned for their souls. And Robert Rikes looked upon these little ones and said, you know what? I'm going to be a parent to them in that sense. He wasn't usurping the parents' role because they were negligent in their role. And so the first Sunday school was started not for Christian children, but for the children of non-Christians who had no care for the welfare of the child's soul. I'm not saying there's not a place for Sunday school for Christian children. There is a place to train up our children in the church and impact the next generation for Christ. But the spiritual training of children was not neglected for 250 years between 1530 and 1780. It was carried out by faithful parents who understood their God-given role and responsibility to train up their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. As a parent, you have the primary responsibility to tutor and to train your child for God's glory. And if someone is doing that more than you're doing it, there's something wrong with that picture. I want to remind you that as the primary trainer and teacher, that good parenting starts with good parents. 
If we're going to invoke his name when we discipline our children, it better be true that our lives are being lived in accordance with his word. That it's not the case of do what I say, don't do what I do to our children. That was the action of Pharisees, and that breeds Pharisees. That breeds children in Christian homes who conform outwardly, but they do not conform inwardly because they do not have a heart for God because their parents do not have a heart for God. There is an outward conformity. There's a form of godliness. Look at Proverbs 20 and verse 7. You see what I'm saying here. Proverbs 20, verse 7, the righteous man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. Children are blessed when they are developed and disciplined and led by a mother or a father who is walking with integrity in the home. That there's a consistency, a wholeness of word and action, thought and deed. Go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, and you have that portion where um, the fathers and mothers of Israel are encouraged in the Shema to um, love God with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their strength. And then in verse 6 of Deuteronomy 6, we read, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children when you get up, when you get down, when you go out, when you're in. Don't teach them from your mouth. Teach them from your heart. If you're going to call them to obedience, let them see that you're obedient. If you're going to teach them repentance, let them see your repentance. If you're going to teach them prayer, let them see you praying. If you're going to teach them concern for souls, let them see you leading people to Jesus Christ. We're going to teach our children. We've got to teach them from our hearts. We've got to walk in integrity in our homes. They've got to see the real deal spiritually. Someone has said this, train up your child in the way it should go and go there yourself once in a while. Because one of the great gifts of a parent to a child is a good example. That's a great reminder. You're listening to Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy and the start of a new message about parenting titled, Keeping Dennis from Becoming a Menace. If you want to hear this message again or share it with a friend or family member, you'll find it online at ktt.org and on our podcast. Listen to full sermons on the KTT app. You know, we need to know the truth to be equipped with God's powerful Word, whether it be for guidance in our own lives or for training up our children in the way they should go. And that's why at Know the Truth, sharing God's Word is our mission. Every day, we teach the life-changing truth of the Bible to listeners all over the country so they can take hold of the wisdom and guidance Jesus has provided for us. Some hear the gospel for the very first time by listening to Know the Truth. But without generous friends like you, this ministry would not be possible. So, if you would like to help us reach more souls for Jesus, would you consider giving a monthly gift as a truth ambassador or a one-time gift of any amount? Call 888 888- 644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. As a thank you for your gift, you'll receive What God Wants Every Dad to Know, a book that encourages and equips fathers to lead their children to live each day guided by God's wisdom. As a bonus, we'll also invite you to send Philip's encouraging book, Take Cover, to a loved one of your choice. Identifying the major dangers that Christians are facing today, like crime, aggressive secularism, and spiritual warfare, Pastor Philip shows how you can take cover in God-given promises and protections. 
Just select a friend and we'll send it to them. Both resources are yours with a gift of any amount to know the truth. Call 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. Now, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us tomorrow as we continue today's message on wise parenting. That's coming up Tuesday on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Mm-hmm.